afternoon and good evening wherever and whenever you may be. And welcome to this Black Widow spoiler special episode of the Fade to Black podcast. I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband, he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're gonna wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. I'm Hannah Flint. I'm a mom woman. And I'm Clarice Lockgray. And before we get into our spoiler review, here is a special interview with Black Widow star O.T. Fabenle, who plays MCU newcomer Rick Mason, who reveals some details about deleted scenes, backstory, and his future in the franchise. Enjoy. At some point, we all have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. choice. Hey OST, welcome to the Fade to Black podcast. That's what you're on. Anna, how's it going? <laughs> it's good, it's really good. I've seen Black Widow twice now um, and I'm just, I just love it. I love it for our girl. Yeah. So how, when did you become aware of, I suppose, her backstory, where she's come from, where she is now. What, what was your first kind of way into Black Widow and I suppose the MCU in general? Well, you know, obviously I love Marvel movies. And to be honest, I wasn't all caught up. So I'm embarrassed to say that at the point at which I got offered the part, I hadn't found out she had died yet. And so, yeah, so I, I was kind of slow to the party. Once I caught up, everything made a lot more sense. <laughs> um, and then obviously once I got a part I read the script which is amazing and then uh, yeah it was off to the races I mean to be honest technically it's better that it might have been better if you didn't know because your, your character wouldn't have known that at that point exactly. in the film this prequel so there you go you were just being a and good sometimes actor sometimes <laughs> I try and avoid stuff in scripts which my character doesn't know and stuff like that but yeah when I found out it was that little heartbreaking moment um, a bit late Rick is a character that is in the comics um but you've obviously got your own spin on it. So how much were you, I suppose, once you got the part, how much backstory did um, the MCU kind of give you compared to what is established in the comic books? Yeah, you know what, actually, I I would say that Rick Mason was more of a a creation of Eric Pearson, our amazing uh, writer and and Kate, director, and Kate, Scarlett, and, and, uh, and I sat down and we spoke through what, we thought our backstory was what our relationship had been up to from that time. So most of it was done within that group. And then my own study, myself, from you know, people who are like that, people do that kind of job. So can you tell us then, can you give us what his, because we only, because the thing is, we don't get too much of it. And I feel like, what is the backstory that you guys created? Because obviously we know that, I mean, he was a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Was he at S.H.I.E.L.D. when the winter, I mean, the thing is, I feel like, have you watched now that you've said have you gone back and watched the films or is this kind of like oh you know what I just no I'm, 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 <laughs> I feel like I'm I feel like I'm pretty caught up now but I, you know I, I don't want to go into the details too much of it as much as anything because I mean the, those meetings were, that we had was kind of just like the three of us trying to figure out like what was the best way of telling this story that we had in front of us I don't know if Marvel at some point will be like, well, you know what, we wanted it to be this back, so and it's some next, you know, so 
So, but but we created our own one about you know what level of intimacy, what level of kind of friendship or non-friendship they had before now. But um, I don't know if I'm at liberty to go into. But I will say that yeah, that, 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 what's interesting I think about the movie is that like Black Widow, it, it, she's a bit impenetrable in a way. Like, I, and, and what this movie does really brilliantly is kind of like let us into a bit more of her vulnerability, a bit more of her backstory, and you know, our, our mm-hmm. context. And I think characters like her family and like Mason help pull out different parts of that. The sexual tension is palpable. Um, congratulations on that. I felt it a lot. And I was like, when let's throw down on this bed. But obviously this is not the film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wake well, up, funny, Rick. Funny, funnily <laughs> enough, this, when, uh, true story, the, the original scene when she comes and meets me in the bed, she gets onto the bed with me and we lay on the bed together and we chat. Now they cut that maybe too too hot for TV. They cut that part out the movie. Maybe it'll be on some Blu-ray DVD someplace. Um, but that, <laughs> the that X, was the X extras. <laughs> Sorry, Listen, that was really lame. <laughs> I mean, no, nothing, nothing happened. I mean, it was it was a fun thing. Um, but yeah. So I just see the thing is I'm so intrigued because I feel your characters and your scenes are quite they're small but significant. But they mm. also just ha- I have so many questions for them. Okay, so I'm gonna see if maybe you can go, give me again. I keep on banging on about backstory, let's, but like I just get you I'm just a nerd. Okay, so there's a bit in it where you kind of say, "God, Ross, he's like on my ass," and my other contacts are not getting in touch with me. Who are the other contacts? Who are, are we, are we dealing, are you on oh. both sides? So like, are you on both sides, like as your character, because you're the agent, Let me right? tell you something. Mason, Mason works to the highest bidder. Like <laughs> ultimately, Mason is a mercenary. And so if you're paying, he doesn't ask too many questions. I think it's pretty cynical guy. But with, with, uh, with Natasha, with Black Widow, you know, he's got a soft spot. And that's why he's, he does things for no money. I mean, who would have sunk it? But that's what happens when you have too much. He's supposed to be in the comics. He's the son of the Tinkerer. But he that character appears in um, in Spider Man Homecoming in a in a different version, and it's kind of one day. So he's definitely not your dad. So does he have does he have a criminal past? That means that he's able to navigate not just from his. See, look at me. I'm in deep. I'm going too deep. No, go but like, all the way. But is he? Is, is, is is he? Is he kind of got? Is he got a criminal past? As in, like he's doing right because his dad was like a bad guy. I'm trying to work out where he's. How he's able to navigate I mean, all these I, I want to give this disclaimer. This, <laughs> uh, this is not representation of Marvel. This is just my own o- this OT as an actor uh, trying to figure out, trying to fill in blank spots. So I can't tell you what Marvel's personal, I can just tell you what mine is. But the, the backstory, you know, my, my understanding of Mason and the way it came to development in my mind is that he came out of the army and, and was never a criminal. Now... He he works as a mercenary, and so ultimately, then I'm sure look, he, he probably there, there obviously something to try out of bounds for any person. I mean, I don't know. It probably is illegal to sell certain weapons. Is, is he right? You know, you can't just sell a weapon. That's a crime. Mm-hmm. So to that extent, maybe he is a criminal. I mean, where's he getting that Quinjet from? He's not getting that from Shield final closure sale. <laughs> no, you have to know. You have to know the right or wrong people to do something like that. 
See, now, I don't know, because like now we've had several of these like Marvel TV shows and obviously there's the future. I mean, I'm also, did he get blipped? Did he survive that five years? You know, when the when Thanos oh, oh. snapped his finger, have you decided if he's that? He survived or? He definitely, he definitely survived. He survived. Definitely, oh, right. He's a survivor. <laughs> 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 no, I know. Yeah. To be honest, you're asking me questions which are beyond my, 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 th- I'm not the smart student on the, you know what I mean? I just. So, so I, I don't know. I haven't actually thought of that far. That greater minds than me will decide about blip survival. But okay. I'm going to go with yeah. Why don't we just say it and we'll manifest it into reality? And that way, if you say it here, then it's canon. And therefore, they just have to go for it and then do a separate Rick Mason series. I mean, win-win. Hannah, can I tell you something? He survived a blip. Um, I've gone on to do some magnificent things which should be recorded. On camera. <laughs> no, but I suppose that's the thing. Once you enter the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there is scope for you to come back. You know, look at Sharon Carter, who was kind of a side thing in Wind Soldier, and then she became a main player in Falcon and the Wind Soldier. Have you got your six picture TV show deal, OT? It, well, it wasn't a one-off deal. I can say that. Ooh. Ooh, this is spicy. I like it. Tell me more. I can't. You can't? Oh, okay. All right, that's it. Okay. But it may, it's okay. So now I feel like I'm in speculative territory because, you know, you help out Yelena. So obviously there's an established relationship there. You'll still be close. And I feel like she's going to pop up in Hawkeye. So just like, you may don't have to say words, but we're on video here. So maybe you could just like give me like a two winks if you're in Hawkeye. And I won't say anything. Oh, that's one. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait. Was that, wait, no, wait. Was wait. that one or two? I, what happens wait. if you blink with two eyes? Is that? Oh blinks? no, yeah, that's like a oh damn! My whole my whole method is imploding on itself. Okay, wait. I know we were. It's it's it's. What we, I just we've messed it. We've messed it. Okay, messed but it I feel out. like okay, but I think that potential the Hawkeye could be. I mean, look, I think it's going to come back. Would you? Let's talk about what p- potential you think your future character could have, um, especially now that obviously he'll know Black Widow's gone. Yeah, I mean, that news will definitely hard. What's your question, Hannah? Tell me. Like, what can you, you, I, well, I'm trying to like, this is me trying to like finesse some sort of like answer about your future in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think you're, you're NDA'd up. <laughs> well, no, no, but you know what? It's not even NDA'd. And if I was NDA'd, obviously I respect that. It's more that, I don't make those decisions. You think they, you think, you think they, they're calling me into the room being like, yo, listen, I don't know anything. I'm just like a punter. I'm a fan who happened to go and do a little few, you know, a little bit on this movie. They'll call me one day and be like, come do some acting. I'll be like, oh, yeah. You know, you're you're talking with a simple dude. I think you're giving me too much. um, I just want great things for you and Rick. I just want good things for Rick. He's a great guy. Let's just manifest it right now. Okay, so manifesting time. Rick is out there. He's helping all sorts. Mason, I like to call. He's helping all sorts. (laughs) of superheroes get all their wares then he goes off on his own adventure of course yeah. helping out and solving his own issues and you know yeah. what i mean like what are you yeah. manifesting what would you like to see from mason let's get some okay this is okay that. this is what i would like to see i would like to see him involved in the hawkeye series because i think madam hydra 
is in there. And I think you work with Madam Hydra, who is played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And I think that this is going to happen and that you're going to work out and it's going to connect with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Keep going. Don't, this don't, is what I want. I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and, then, and also, oh, you're vibing. I thought this is like, he's yeah. pointing. That's the confirmation. And then Sharon Carter is also, because we know that she was the power broker. So I think there's going to be something in there, old shield buddies kind of falling out, getting back together. Look, I think there's enough there. Uh, they need you. They need you. I've been saying this. We've got to have work. I need, I need get, to get, get him. And also, I know Eric as well. He's the great. Eric, He's so great. I did this I did this show called Max, which is on Channel 4 Catch Up right now, M-A-X-X-X. And it was my first time writing this TV show. And Eric, sweetheart, who wrote um, Black Widow, he, he took me under his wing. He kind of like just big brothered me and, and really put me on and made a big difference to that show. And he also, he's hilarious. So yeah, he's a good guy to have on the team. So we've obviously created a whole new show here that I will, you know, get into a deck and we'll send it you, to yeah, Kevin Feige. To... <laughs> so I wanted to ask you something. So according to Marvel.fandom, Rick's power grid, his fighting is ranked highest over his other skills. So was there a point where you were ever going to kind of have any more, you know, you said the scenes were deleted. Was there a potential for you to have more, do a bit more fighting at all in the film? You know, I think, uh, there, there, you know what, there, there were some other scenes actually, there were about three scenes of, uh, of mine, which will hopefully be on the deleted um, extras or whatever. But in none of them was I involved in any physical conflict. I feel that uh, Rick is predominantly, you know, put put down his weapons and, and picks up his his charm and negotiation skills as where I'd put at the top of, of Rick's skill he's, set. He's a lover, not a fighter, and they cut your loving out. How dare they? Thank you. There Thank you, you. But can you well, tell us a bit can you tell us a bit more about those scenes that aren't gonna be in? I don't know. I'm gonna have to talk to someone to find out what the what the, what the <laughs> rules are. I um yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, there, there was a moment where I, I was, I was that we know when the, everything falls down mm. in the sky. I saw that. You saw it happening. Did they do a quick cutaway where you were like, just like having a cup of tea or something? Like, oh, yeah, I was, that is, I was like, I was just taking a sip. I was like, oh god, that looks dangerous. <laughs> I'm gonna move away from that. That's basically the scene. It was me going. My goodness, someone's gonna get hurt from that all falling down. Um, and that's it. Well, uh, tell me then, what's your biggest, what's been your like biggest takeaway from making the film? My biggest takeaway is Florence Pugh is going to be the next biggest British star. Um, she's amazing. I agree. And also you can be acting with her again, as we confirmed it. Anyway. Yeah, manifest. <laughs> We've had a manifesting session. I appreciate it, Miss Flynn. That was OT and me basically writing his uh, future in the MCU after that <laughs> post credit scene reveal. Uh, it confirmed Yelena would be appearing in the Hawkeye series, Yelena played by Florence Pugh, and potentially be taking out Clint for the death of Natasha in Endgame. <gasps> Sacre bleu. Um, so what do, do what do we make? Let's crack Let's get start at the end. What do we make of <laughs> start at the end. What do we make of that scene, Clarice? Kill, 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 kill. <laughs> Um, okay, honestly, the, the thing I am most excited about is that, like, I really, I really like Yelena as a character, and, like, you know, you guys know, like, I'm not a huge comic book person, and when you guys start talking about comic books, I usually tune out, but the Matt Fraction Hawkeye series is, like, the one comic book I've read, and that's sort of what the Hawkeye 
series is meant to be riffing off, you know, with with Kate Bishop and um, Lucky the Pizza Dog. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm just really excited to see Yelena versus Kate mainly. Uh, you know, just just get rid of Clint early, <laughs> and then we can have loads of episodes of Yelena and Kate. It does kind of like open up a lot of questions about how Yelena, like what, how much people know about what happened with uh, on Vormir, like Amon. Like, I mean, if the fact I thought it would have been like in the history books in the Smithsonian that there was a duel between Clint and do you know what I mean? But clearly, that's not that's not the case. Yeah, that was that's the one thing which had me like, huh, surely Barton would have relayed the fact that he did not actually kill Natasha. But I do like the yeah, fact that they did, are... though. No, he didn't. He did. But by... she let go. She let go. She let go. Yeah, no, she? but he kind of did. By, no, he didn't. By he not, did not, not yeeting himself off the cliff faster. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I thought that uh-huh. was the issue that Yelena's is mad because like Clint should have sacrificed himself. He was because... trying to. Yeah, but he should have sacrificed himself harder. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's only Clint and she's Natasha Romanoff. Like, of course she was gonna be able to do it better than he could. He can only he just gets but... bullseyes. That's his power, bullseyes. That's true. <laughs> but I I like the fact that they are putting these characters on a collision course because Clint was the last person, you know, he shared Natasha's final moments and uh, I'm sure sort of you know when those two characters meet the conversation that's going to lead to I think is, is something that I want to see um, the Hawkeye series you know I like you Clarice I, I love the Mac Faction comics I'm still unsure about a few things because you know they have uh, Hawkeye in that five year period between Infinity War and Endgame going the rampage where he kills a lot of Asian people and I'm not sure how that series is going to rectify that. Um, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, I, like, to be honest, though, do you not get... I know they showed it, but do you not get the impression that he basically killed all the criminal white people in the US and then went to different countries? N- so, like, I don't get the impression that he killed all the criminal white people in the US, though. That I, I Do you think... Because I know he went to Mexico. Do you think he was just basically this white supremacist who was like, fuck, do you honestly think that's how it was? Because I don't... I hate Hawkeye. I think he's the worst. But, like... I don't think he's like a white supremacist. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is, you no, know, he has gone on this killing spree. And I, I I, don't know, because I think, you know, the whole thing with the Hawkeye series is that all the friends of the people that he's killed are now back. And when they find out that he's done these things, he's going to be sort of, you know, a marked man. I think that is sort of the direction they're going to go in. I don't know how they're going to like to find out. But I, I, I like that Yelena and Hawkeye are on this collision course. Um, the scene itself... Uh, speaks to one of my issues with this film and with the MCU at large in that I wish at times it would just let serious moments be serious moments. And the beginning of that scene is Yelena mourning Natasha. And then that is interrupted by Val being Val and being humorous. And I'm like, just, you know, let's, this is, this is Black Widow films about Natasha Romanoff. This is a final send off. Let the scene be about that at least for a little while longer before you interject with humor uh, and the MCU to the typical sort of what they do. So I'm, I'm a bit mixed on it. Isn't it funny to think that had the pandemic not happened, that would have been how we were introduced mm. to Julia Louis-Dreyfus as <laughs> yeah. Val. Yeah. Like people would have been like, not know really who she was, but then they would have seen like the purple 
the purple streak. Also, I'm loving, sorry, just to go in like a side little thing, but I'm loving like the streaks that they're bringing back in the MCU. <laughs> Melina, played by Rachel Vice, she has red streaks in her hair. Did anyone notice this? And then like Val's got purple. It's like, oh my God, it's naughties again. <laughs> but clearly Val's putting together sort of like an evil Avengers squad. She's got, she's got a bad cap. She may or may not have a bad uh, uh, Black Widow. I wouldn't say, um, is Yelena bad? I don't, I don't know. But um, she's put together a squad of some of, of sorts and it'll be interesting to see sort of what her ultimate game plans. We still don't know what that is, um, mm. but it was cool to see her nonetheless. Well, I suppose, I mean, the whole point of this film was to kind of establish Black Widow's backstory, where she came from. Obviously, we had that initial scene set in 1995 and, you know, Yelena, and it kind of, in a way, sets it up as, they're not bad. Well, I mean, certainly Yelena is less a bad person because unlike, you know, where it is psychological manipulation, this is actually scientific. Like they are they are creating a drug or changing your body, a chemical to, to put you under control. So in a way, she's a less bad character than Natasha. So I quite enjoyed that bit. So what did you guys... So let's go back. So let's start from the beginning again. <laughs> what do we like? What do you think really worked with this film, Clarice? Okay. <laughs> I would say, yeah, Yelena. Um, I really, really liked her character arc. Um, and, and having this idea of this woman trying to discover who she is over the course of the movie. And, like, what's really heartbreaking is... is everyone around her is like well your family's fake it's all fake and that really breaks her because like (laughs) that's the only thing she's ever had is this Mm. this fake ass family and yeah they suck you know one of them is (laughs) one of them's like a captain america soviet wannabe loser (laughs) and the other one just like has a lot of pigs for some reason but (laughs) (laughs) you know that's it's like the only thing she has to to create her identity and that to me is so it's so interesting and I really liked how her arc was handled and and kind of sorry not to go into negative but I think one of my big issues with it is like putting that character next to Natasha really does Natasha a disservice because um she hasn't had that kind of writing over the past decade she's been in the mm. MCU and and sort of put this sort of like like sort of half formed like quite like inconsistent dodgy character next to to someone who I think was very well written and it also obviously extremely well acted by Florence Pugh. Uh, yeah, it was it was like really stark to me. What I really liked about Yelena was how she kind of held a mirror up to everything that was bad about. Natasha Romanoff's characterization for the last 10 years like she's basically there to say why are you like this <laughs> why have you not talked about it because I think it's so interesting so many different things I mean the, the poser thing is amazing you're such a poser mm-hmm. like when she does it it's just yeah like it is a ridiculous kind of creation of like men <laughs> you know mm-hmm. kind of the very two-dimensional of like look I'm a sexy posy thing um mm-hmm. and, and, and even like her like the fact that we you know what one of the things we've had the whole 10 years is this running joke about Budapest or Budapest. <laughs> it's Budapest. <laughs> um, it's this running joke. And then you're kind of like, oh, what is it? And then what's interesting, you realize, oh, no, she actually killed someone's daughter. She, In order to get away from herself, that is not a joke. 
you know, they made this made light of this whole situation. When you come down to it, it's like, no, this is a real shitty situation, and you need to own it, and you need to stop trying to get rid in your get rid of the red and let your legend clear your conscience if you don't even accept what you've done. The fact that you left people behind. So I don't know. Like for me, I love the way these new characters kind of really force Natasha to reconcile with her, reconcile with herself, and not give her the easy way out. And Mon was was was. Did you have the similar feeling? Yes, I know. Um... I, like you said, I think Yelena is a fantastic character, and I really love I, re- I really love the repartee that uh, Yelena and Natasha have uh, in this film. I think that is definitely the high point. Um, I I like uh, a lot of the action. Um, reminded me of Winter Soldier at moments. I think the first fight um, with Yelena and Natasha is great. I really love the fight between Natasha and Taskmaster on the bridge. I will talk more about Taskmaster later, but I think that was the best Taskmaster scene mm-hmm. by far. Um, I think Lorne Bao's score is fantastic. Uh, I've been listening to it for the last couple of days and it's really, really good. There's a track uh, called Natasha Soars um, uh, late on in the third act, which is really, really great. And he's got this Russian uh, singer um, who sort of uh, adds a lot of, who, who, who does a lot of voice work throughout the score, which is really, really good. Um, I was just thinking of what my favorite scene in this movie was. And I think, you know, I, I talked a little bit already about the balance between uh, the jokes and the seriousness. And I think with Black Widow, it only gets that half right. But the scene where it gets that the most right is when they're all uh, sit, sitting around that family table and sort of, you know, discussing their history and the sort of scars which uh, they've left on each other, uh, particularly when it comes to Yelena. And that's a scene that has the humor which connects and that has the emotional stuff which connects, especially on, again, Yelena's part. Um, and I wish that there was more of a balance, more of that balance throughout the movie, because I don't think it gets that right all the time. But in that scene in particular, it did a fantastic job. Yeah, I love that scene. I really started crying when she's like, she's like, it was real to me. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, oh. <laughs> so it feels, yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I feel like... So much about Natasha. I think, in a way, she's gone on this weird journey over the MCU where she kind of came out of her shell in Winter Soldier, which I think is probably the best we've seen her and kind of, like, like her psychology. And then, basically, Age of Ultron happened, and it was like, oh, I just, I just shoehorned in romance with Bruce Banner for no other mm-hmm. reason other to think, oh, well, this is what we've got. We've got to give some the girls something to do. Well, let's give her a romance. Um, and then, you know, after that, it just felt like she was less, um, integral, like civil war. She was kind of all business. Like it kind of felt like, right, she's just back to pulling herself in and we don't really see her. And then I felt like this film was a really good way of kind of understanding that sort of stoicism that, that she kind of had in those last two films and kind of, you know, her being on her own, what does she do? How does she, you know, feel about her past? What, you know, her, even when she's met with these people from her past, her way of protecting herself is to say, you were nothing. It was nothing. Like, to be this robot. Again, and actually, I like, that's what I think that was really good, is that the script kind of, every time it forced her out of her shell, she couldn't hide it. She couldn't hide from her, from her truth. And also, she can't hide from how much that family of three years meant to her. You know, um, so actually, I, I mean, I kind of, I really enjoyed the writing on this. There's so many moments that I thought were really quite, 
quite fun and even a little bit it's like I know people some people think it's a bit basic but when like when Yelena's like she's like I've got all these pockets I love love that that. I really loved her scenes of OT it kind of reminded me like she is there's nothing wrong with it flirty flirty I kind of wanted it if I was going to ask for for, for any sexual sort of uh relationship going on I'd be like bang Rick bang him you deserve it girl get you get you some how did you feel about that I, I love the fact that we were seeing Natasha in that light um, because we just haven't really seen, you know, really what Natasha gets up to when she's not avenging or spying. Um, yeah. But here we actually get a little bit of that. We get that, you know, you know she likes a beer. She likes watching spy movies. I read a really Moonraker great specifically. I love that <laughs> she's a canon yeah. Roger Moore fan. <laughs> so, so apparently, so I spoke to Eric for this piece I did for Eric Pearson, who was a co-writer. And he, um, originally they wanted the joke to be that actually, if you were, if you know, I don't know, Real Housewives watching Real Housewives to kind of wind down the idea of like, like actually she's a super spy. She would have the complete James Bond there Mm. as a thing, but they kind of cut the joke, but had her mouthing the words to, you know, the spy, what is it? What is it? Moonraker. Um, Yeah. And so I thought that was actually like a really lovely little touch of, yeah, I could imagine that's a bit of her personality coming through. (laughs) (laughs) I I really like that we got to see that. Let's talk about the things that we did and what we thought was quite cool. The weaker links. And personally, for me, as much as I enjoyed having, I like the Olga Koryalenko reveal as Taskmaster. It was a shame that there was minimal, it felt like quite underwhelming when it revealed when she barely speaks any words and it kind of was tied to the fact that oh so she's just the daughter I know it was trying to fit in this greater narrative about control and subjugation but I felt that was an un like a kind of a very weak link of the there wasn't enough fighting for her I didn't see enough of the moves of being taskmaster being able to I mean I saw little bits and like felt like I wanted to see more of her doing the actual fight secret fighting that we see of the mm. other Avengers or other characters. Mm-hmm. I thought, as you said, Amon, that first sequence was the, was the best. But after that, it felt too, mm. there was too little. I wanted more of it. And I think that's because we had too much of Way Winston, who I yeah. felt was like, I, his accent was terrible. <laughs> oh, this is such an uninteresting. It reminded me of like, you know, Tenet. What is this? The way English people do <laughs> Russians, it really is so hammy. It's so annoying. It's so obvious. I wish in a way that they'd got an actual Russian actor to do it, but I wonder if they thought maybe uh, we don't want to perpetuate another stereotype of Russians being these awful people. And fair enough, but I don't know. What did you guys What did you guys think of that section of it? I've got to say, I think my biggest problem with Black Widow is like the that whole Red Room plot felt so silly for for what it's meant to be because the Red Room before I watched this seemed like a really interesting concept because like I've always understood it to be like a metaphor for you know abuse and and trafficking and and exploitation and so it's something quite dark and and it's weird that like that was only in the opening credits and then like the rest of it like the chemical like the red smoke that like it just felt it felt a little bit like too silly i was confused at first because it was red i was like wonder is that you (laughs) you know it was like quite magic-y and then this whole thing where ray winston was like if you can smell me you can't kill me it's like really i don't know maybe it's because i don't know i didn't comics, mind that because that, that feels very like... comic booky that, that feels like this yeah. is just straight out of the, the silliness of comic books of these like kind of ridiculous 
Like, I feel like I can de- deal with pheromones if I can deal with, like, a mad titan from another galaxy trying to, like, snap away the rest of half the world because of environmental purposes. Like, it's like, yeah. that's the type of thing I just go with the flow and enjoy it. I understand that. And, like, you know, if this was Guardians of the Galaxy, I wouldn't have, you know, been bothered as well. I, I think what was odd to me is that, you know, like this movie was presenting itself as an allegory for exploitation and trying to like delve into those themes quite seriously and so I think for me it was like there was too much tonal clash of like you know we want you to think about worldwide exploitation of young girls but like also if you could spell me you can't kill me boopity boop (laughs) I I get why they did it because making things chemical rather than psychological is just easy and it simplifies things but, you know, Natasha's sort of indoctrination into the Red Room was all psychological. And if if they were to lean into that side of the indoctrination, I think it would have made for a much more interesting movie. Um, As in, like, kind of, like, was an underlying thing that she could never escape. But the only way she could escape it is by killing, by thinking Draco, Dracov was dead. Yeah. But it, it would have it would have still have been wired. She would have still been wired that way. Is that what you're trying yeah. to say? Like, it would have been caught better that way? Yeah. I think I think it would have been better that way. I I think it's <laughs> sadly ironic that you know so many people are doing bad Russian accents in this, and the one person who's a bona fide Russian <laughs> has no dialogue. Yeah. That is mad. Um, but yeah, um, you know Ray Winstone is an actor who I really uh, like in the right film. I think he was miscast here, um, and it's a shame. Because, you know, that that scene where he has like, you know, I'm a villain, this is my plan, is for me the the weakest uh, part of this. And I sort of get what they were going for because, again, we've seen uh, a scene similar to this in respects with Natasha and Loki in the the first Avengers movie. Um, But the thing is, you know, Ray Winstone, again, God love him, but he's not nearly as charismatic as Tom Hiddleston is in that scene. and but I like that. I like that it was a callback. I like the way. I like the fact that it really. Um, I like that she was it, two steps ahead of everyone, and, and that and that and that came through, and that that's been a big staple of the character. What I, I like mean is, like, I like that it was a nod back to like this is her spycraft. This is why she is the. This is why she is good at what she does. She makes. She's a master manipulator, and she's able to kind of. I like the fact that it nodded back to that part of her spycraft rather than it. Um, and you know the face thing as well. We got all these hints. It's sort of like it was kind of like a tour of her of <laughs> her book <laughs> of spying, what she gets yeah. up to. I quite enjoyed that um, element I, of it. I, I like Natasha's role in that sequence for sure. I just think Ray Winstone in that scene, I, I did not like. Um, I will say that you know, on the one hand, the whole line about sort of you no know, girls of the world, sort of you no know, most wasted commodity or whatever it is. Um, on the one hand, it is heavy handed. But on the other hand, you know, one of the one of my criticisms of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was that it should have been more blunt more often. And I like the fact that, you know, in an MCU film now, we are getting a line like that, which is blunt and heavy handed as it is, is still sort of, you know, quite political, especially for a Disney MCU movie. Um, it's also just like true. <laughs> yeah, when I heard well. it, I was like, that's yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> that is a, I that's the, I think it was a great line. I thought actually, yeah, this is why why women are still subjugated in so many ways and because it's allowed. Like they get away with stuff in plain sight when it comes to sex trafficking, when it comes to so many different parts of like the world. Girl, young girls and girls are just easily manipulated and I just appreciated that it wasn't trying to 
sugarcoat and say, actually, yeah, in this situation, yeah, there's a lot of girls that basically get used and abused. So for sure, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I like that bit of it. I just felt like it wasn't yeah. even trying to be girl power either, though. It wasn't like this. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel like it was Captain Marvel where it needed, like, the the needle drops of, like, just a girl. And don't get me wrong, I love Captain Marvel. Yeah. It didn't feel yeah. like it was like a big feminist fist punch it just felt no these are women and they get shit done and actually fuck it like and we're not gonna (laughs) i mean and this goes towards i think some of the some of the kind of the nods back to um you know even that scene in the in the um in the uh plane with the joke with the period joke and i just thought that rebuttal was just like about (laughs) talking about i don't have Mm. a womb (laughs) i can't have Mm. a period i don't have a womb they do that and it's like and they had his disgust at the idea of being forced with this thing that he made a joke about it's like yeah dude if you want to get real let's get real (laughs) i'm gonna make Mm. a joke and i love that it just basically uh, uh, it, they confronted it head on and also just kind of, it felt like it was con- confronting Age of Ultron as well. It felt like it was confronting the idea that, you know, they wrote the thing that she said she was a monster. Like, oh, I guess I'm a monster. Like, I'm not, you're not the only monster in the team. That's what Joss Whedon had written. And that was a, such a, that was such an awful line because it's not, you know, the idea that she would consider herself that and then this line was like saying, this is just what happened. This is what's happened to us, and we're not going to allow it to define us. And if you're going to try and make a joke, at least get your facts right because it doesn't work. So stop being a misogynist. <laughs> well, also, I felt like I read it. What I really liked about that bit is it felt realistic to the ways that people process trauma, because, like, I mean, that's such a, a common, familiar experience, and people making jokes about like deeply traumatic shit. I was like, oh. Again, I was like, "That's a that's a cool bit." Like, yeah. I, I I relate to that, and especially how it came about. Because, um, again, sorry for my 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 piece from L dot com on <laughs> ten years of Black Widow. Please find it and read it. Um, but basically, that's you know that Eric wrote that joke because he said, "This is." I was thinking in my head, this guy, like, what's the worst thing he could say in this situation? Like, he's just, they've just gone through this whole thing to get him out of there. They've, like, saved his life. And what's the worst thing he can say? He said, oh, yeah, you're in a million periods. And actually, like, when I spoke to Kate Shortland, she said, we, we were so mad. We were so angry at this joke. We were so mad at it. But then they have to took some time and realize, oh no, what we should do instead of just erasing it, let's confront it. And she said that's the strength of the film is that we find the humor. We st- don't allow ourselves to be victims. And I think people have their own approach. Will take it in any way they want. There's no right way or wrong way to say you're supposed to handle traumatic events. But I think for these particular characters, it made sense for them to have that ownership, especially as like Yelena is just a hilarious person in the first place as a character. So it made sense for her response to be that. That's how I. That's how I felt. I I am surprised uh, listening to you guys talk about this because this for me went back to. Uh, my whole thing about Marvel not letting serious moments be serious moments. Like, that's a serious topic. And in my mind, I would have preferred that, you know, if they sort of didn't joke around with it and actually sort of you know, properly, you know, reckoned with it and not sort of, you know, to call themselves victims or anything like that, but have the scene, have the tone of the scene match the seriousness of the topic. Um, but listening to you guys talk about it, I, I, I sort of get where you're coming from and I get you know, why they went the way they did. Um, just in my mind, watching it for the first time, that that was where my head was at. But the, but the, the, the thing is here is that the joke, he is the one who made a joke out of it. And they were the one to, re- as their rebuttal, to be 
take it seriously. She's not joking around. She's saying, this is what happened. This is what happened. I'm talking about it in such a matter of fact way. And it makes him uncomfortable because he makes it serious. So it's, so in a way, it's not that um, they're making light of it. They're taking it seriously. But the man in that situation is like, oh no, I can't I can't handle it. Too much, too much woman stuff. And that's the point. It's like, you don't get to take charge of this narrative if you're not capable to understand the seriousness and the veracity of what actually happened to us. You don't, you don't deserve that. And I'm not gonna give you, you know, the time or the space to kind of let this joke slide. I'm gonna keep front front. And I think that's what's really good. It's not, she's not joking back she's just being real I felt yeah I get uh, like I kind of do and I kind of do and don't like I it's hard I to me that response was very relatable because I just I think it is just a thing that trauma victims do is that they they kind of like will talk about like really traumatic stuff offhandedly and just say oh blah 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 and and so yeah like I, I I kind of agree I don't think it was them like going you know, we're, we're going to stand up to you. I think it was more just like, yeah, well, you know, you're going to say that. Well, actually, this is what happened to me. And so it's sort of like a kind of a half dark joke, half serious thing. Like, I liked it because it felt like it had levels. And I love, yeah. I love <laughs> levels. <laughs> so many levels. Okay, right. So um, let's let's see. Amon, you put a question out uh, to see what listeners thought. So do you want to shoot through a few of what people have said and so we can have a little response to it. Yeah, so Tom Blythe uh, at Tommy B No E <laughs> on Twitter uh, says that I feel this is the first MCU film to have a proper opening credit sequence over a closing credit sequence, uh, which is maybe the nerdiest takeaway from the film I could do, but it was something that really stuck out to me. Uh, it stuck out to me too. It's just <laughs> hilarious and interesting to me in that this is the rare film in which Marvel do an opening credit sequence and it's the one film in which they have Olga Koyanenko in an opening credit sequence, which is sort of a big sort of, you know, potential spoiler if, for people who are alert and who are sort of knowledgeable to this thing. It's like, oh, she's probably playing Taskmaster. And this is the one film in which they do an opening credit sequence and they reveal that as something which they probably should have, you know, you know kept off the opening credits, I think. So it's, it's just yeah. interesting. Just to go back on sort of the Olga Koyanenko, what really annoys me is that Taskmaster has got far more interesting personality and I just don't I get they were trying to hold this reveal but I still feel like it would have been they still could have had her having put you could have done a voice box you could have done something or other rather than making her like a winter soldier type character again that mm. we've seen before there, there's a lot more potential in the Taskmaster character which they didn't fully unearth like I, I like the fact that she's sort of like a Terminator-esque type figure and the reason why I think like you know that that scene uh, where she sort of you know confronts Natasha on the bridge is so great that's like the one scene if you, you know, if you discount the for the sort of finale in which we see these two characters go toe to toe we've never seen that uh Taskmaster actually sort of go toe to toe hand to hand with Yelena or Natasha apart from that scene mm. and the finale and you know with with the potential in that character you want to you know boost up her credentials that's why that first scene is so great because Natasha gets you know Taken out in in an instant in in a way, and I just I wanted I wanted more of that. I I do I do like the fact that you know Natasha is all about the red in her ledger, and she's spending the entire movie literally running away from the red in her ledger until she confronts it and faces it head on. And I like that uh, sort of that storytelling there. I just again I wanted more. Um, Krista Tavides from um, uh, at Big Pants on Twitter 
says, hello, uh, can we please discuss how old Natasha is supposed to be when she kills Ray Winston's daughter because she looks at least 1920-ish and the daughter's a proper kid, like around 12-ish, yet Olga Korolenko is older than Scarlet and it's bugging me. I just don't think we can even... <laughs> I think it is what it is. <laughs> it's like she's obviously... I reckon she was obviously supposed to be... I mean, because they're supposed to be child assassins, right? So I think in that point, yeah. they've given her pigtails, right? So I assume, I assume Scarlet's supposed to be maybe like 16, 17 or something at that point. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> they're all, well, we just have to like, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. I mean, Olga Karolenko is looks ageless, so she, she honestly <laughs> could be true. any age. <laughs> this is a very true. beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe Omanaka at Kobe Star on Twitter. What does the Fate of Black what does the Fate of Black team make of the more realistic brutality of the fight scenes? This is the first time I remember seeing a broken bone. Should the rest of Marvel follow suit? Yes. I've got mixed thoughts on this. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the one hand, you know, as we said, I like a lot of the action, but I think there's a disconnect in this film. because uh, on the one hand, you got the spy movie Natasha, um, which is great. And then you have a line like you know, I don't think Thor would need to take an ibuprofen after a big battle. Okay, fair. And then, in the finale of the movie, you get in Natasha, she's getting kicked around by a lot of the widows, she's getting her shoulder, you know, dislocated. Then she gets her shoulder put back in, and she is fine. Like, there's no wincing, there's no scar, she is fine. I just get the impression that they have actually been in, like, that whole opening sequence, we talk about the credit sequence, there were those surgery and stuff like that and I kind of made me think maybe they were enhanced like a little <laughs> bit enhanced that's what I think because also in the comic book version Black Widow is enhanced I thought the the best sequence for me was the fight in the kitchen because that was like mm. proper fight choreography yeah. I mean I will say it wasn't I don't know if it was all that well edited together like I think I you agree. missed a lot of stuff I would love to have seen that edited like it was a John Wick film or Tommy Born. It was clearly a born, uh, born, born identity or born supremacy kind of riff. Yeah, because it's also done mm. in like so much <laughs> editing, but it just yeah. like it didn't capture the. I thought the stunt choreography in that scene was really good, but we weren't really seeing it very well. I like. I much prefer that. To, I kind of thought the ending was. It You're like too bad. many zoom zooms. It was so much zoom zooms. Why zoom would zooms. you? You have the one character who can't, or the one of the like two characters who can't fly in the fucking Avengers, and you have her zoom zoom the entire of the end of the movie. Like, why is she in the air? I don't. I don't know. I just thought it. I just didn't think it. It looked good, and I thought it was a really weird decision. Um, I liked it when she ran across that thing in midair. I thought, like, like, yes, go so... on! <laughs> and I think, <laughs> go on, girl! <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I've always known, so I think uh, where we are with, like, VFX effects, I think we're still not quite at the point where people convincingly can do, like, flying and air stuff. Like, I always feel like, apart from, like, I guess, like, the Mandalorian, it looked good, because they weren't flying very high. Oh, we get it! You love but... Star Wars! <laughs> <laughs> I think there's just like a wider issue of like VFX has not quite figured out how to make it look convincingly like people are flying because yeah. I'm just always like this I yeah. can I can sense the green screen in my bones <laughs> um I'll only add to the to the effects in that you know I know Twitter is having a fun time with the CGI and Black Widow right now but y'all need to calm down there's only a few seconds 
deal with it. But this is uh, my issue because it's like, oh it's so stupid to me to take 10 seconds when like, to really understand, like, I didn't like that final mm. sequence, but like, I feel like you have to watch all of it. It's so silly mm. to me to like, analyze the film on 10. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> I genuinely think that that issue, I, I wish they'd done something else because it just, it did not look nice to my eyes. and our final question is from Ayomikan Adekero Asade Kayero on Twitter Uh, doesn't the existence of Black Widow's Russian family take away from her death in Endgame because in Endgame they make a big deal about the Avengers being her only family so all she has is the mission with no mention of Yelena and the rest I I know this is probably due to the fact Black Widow wasn't planned yet but wanted to know your thoughts on how this new story impacts Natasha's death I mean, not to me, because I always valued her more than Clint Barton anyway. So. <laughs> so, like, wow, your, your Clint hate is sorry, real. I really don't like that character. In the MCU, <laughs> this is the thing, I, I love him in the Matt Fraction comics. I love that Hawkeye. I wanted that one. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I just think they, they butchered her storyline so badly <laughs> over that 10 years that for me, it doesn't. Like, it doesn't really change anything because I was already mad about it. I think in a way that line, I think you might be referring to that line where they're on the, by the lake and it's like, did she have any family? It's like, we were a family. I think that's just, they were trying to say, hey, don't try and separate her from us. She was our family as well. So I didn't see it as a dismissiveness or I suppose in a way I still think it works because I think it wasn't integral to bring up the fact that she had a Russian family in that scene because that scene was... What they should have done, if they wanted to give a big, a bit better send-off, they should have done a better send-off, and it should have been her and Tony getting sent off at the same time. Not this... Kind of, I mean, she, she she was done dirty. But I don't think... Uh, I don't I don't think that takes away or try or makes it seem like she didn't have a Russian family. I, don't, I think it works both. I still think it fits in quite well. It works. It's just not ideal. And uh-huh. the whole the whole thing with Black Widow being released now and not sort of in between Civil War and Infinity War is not ideal. No, and um, I think again, this is I think we all can agree that this film should have come come five years ago. It should have 100%. been here long ago, and and it and who knows, it might have actually created, it might have changed certain things with storylines that might have improved it. But I will say, I think that this film, my final thoughts on it, I suppose as we ground it up, mm-hmm. is really that I think it took the best parts of her characterizations, um, kind of reframed the two-dimensional ones and then added some more complexity that I think it made her a far... It made her kind of, you know, her, her now farewell to the MCU, one that feels a bit more worthy of the kind of iconic, legendary Marvel hero that I think she really is. I'm kind of... I guess I'm a bit more negative on it. I feel like... I see the effort, as I said in the main <laughs> podcast, but it just feels like it's too late and there's too much to do to really fix that character. Um, but Yelena, great. And I we got Captain Marvel. I like her. <laughs> She's cool. Yeah. yeah, this is ultimately mid-tier Marvel for me. I think it works, uh, as Khalees says, as, better um, as a Yelena launch pad than as a Natasha Romanoff farewell. Um and the and you know we mentioned that the, the unfortunate timing of the film, but you know this is still sort of a film that I enjoyed and I was entertained by. I just have a few caveats. Well, that's it for this spoiler special. Thanks for tuning in, and happy viewing via whatever medium is safest for you. Do subscribe, rate, and leave us a review if you love the podcast, and tweet us if you have something you'd love us to shout out next week. Uh, use the hashtag Fade to Black Pod and follow us at Hannah Flint or at Hannah Ines Flint on Twitter and Instagram. 
I'm at Amon Woman on Twitter and Instagram. I am Clarice Lou on Twitter and Clar- at Clarice Lockery on Instagram. So farewell, film friends. It's time to fade to black. Or I think we should go out on a special note as it's Black Widow. See you in a minute.